Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, however in the world it is that you are getting this program today. We're just so glad to have you with us today. Now, some of you have been tuning in for some time, and this program's been a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. Go over to establishedinthefaith.com and contact us, if you will. And feel free to share it with others. If this program's been a blessing to you, then perhaps it'll be a blessing to them as well. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going to be dealing with the timing of the rapture. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. tonight, if you will, to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. This verse right here is where we believe the rapture of the church will take place. We looked at some things last week. I'm not going to go into all of that again. But tonight we want to take a look at the time of the rapture. And... It was back in 1988, I was in 11th grade. One of the most popular books at that time was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And people all over the country, they were selling their homes and shutting down their businesses, moving up to the mountains waiting for this particular date. And when the day came, I thought, is this going to be the day that Jesus comes? And talking to one of my teachers at school, he shared this verse with me. No man knows the day nor the hour. Now, as we know, Jesus did not come back in 1988. But this man made a whole lot of money off of his book. Exactly a year later, he come out with another book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. And there's always, since that time, and I guess even before that, people have set dates as to the time as to when Jesus is going to come back. I think it was back in 2012. People were looking at the mind calendars and looking at things in the Bible and they were saying that Jesus is coming back in 2012 or the end of the world is going to be in 2012 and all this kind of foolishness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 in verse 36, he said, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. 
So no man knows when that time will be. There are three schools of thought as it pertains to the rapture of the church, as to when the rapture will take place. There is the pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, and post-tribulation rapture. Mid-tribulation rapture and post-tribulation rapture are people that believe that the church has to go through part or all of the tribulation period. And their reasoning for that is, that is God's way of purifying the church. The church is not purified by tribulation. You are purified through and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that makes you worthy, is the blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to take a look at some of the reasons why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that the rapture will take place first before end time events will occur. Here is what Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 21 in verse 36. If you want to flip over there and take a look at it. Luke 21, verse 36. This chapter here in Luke 21 is also synonymous with Matthew chapter 24. A lot of the things that were said in Matthew 24 is some of the same things that's being said here in Luke chapter 21. But in Luke 21, 36, Jesus said, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus said, Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape these things. What things? All the things that he talked about in the previous verses, which pertains to the great tribulation period. The great tribulation period will begin when the Antichrist steps on the scene and makes his seven-year peace pact with Israel. That is when the seven-year tribulation will begin. This brings me up to reason number two, which is this. If you will, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Like I said, the tribulation will not begin until the Antichrist is revealed and he steps on the scene. The church is what is hindering the Antichrist from stepping on the scene. And we see that here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's begin with verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That is the rapture of the church. Verse 2. That you be not so soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by a letter as from us, 
as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now, that Greek word would have been better translated a departure first. Which, again, speaks of the rapture of the church. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That is the Antichrist. Verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, the church, who now letteth or hinders, will let or hinder. Until he be taken out of the way. The he spoken of here in this verse is the church. The church is that which is holding back the tides of darkness. The Antichrist steps on the scene after the rapture of the church because in verse 8 of that same chapter says, and then shall that wicked be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall, cons- and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, the second point, the church has to be gone before the Antichrist steps on the scene. The tribulation's not going to start until the Antichrist steps on the scene. So the rapture is going to take place first. Third reason, if you will, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's take a look at some things here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Move down, if you will, to verse 9. Here is reason number three. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do." I don't know about you, but having to go through the great tribulation period is not very comforting to me. Now, there are some people out here that believe that you're going to have to go through the tribulation period. And if that's what they want to do, I'm sure God will let them. But I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ, which is coming back. On a silver cloud of glory. When the trump of almighty God sounds. Now in the Old Testament. We have two examples. Of God getting his people out. Before judgment came. 
Noah was one. And you all know the story of Noah. God told him to build the ark. He was sending the flood. When Noah got done with that boat, he said, now get inside. And God shut the door. The flood didn't start until Noah was in the boat. So Noah was safe before the judgment came. God saved Noah, the only righteous people in the world at that time, and had them safe in the ark before the judgment came. That can be a type of God rapturing the church out before the great tribulation occurs. Uh, the second individual I want you to look at in the Old Testament. If you get a chance sometime, take a look at Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, I'm going to destroy this city. And Abraham said, well, if you find 50 righteous people there, God said, I won't destroy it. And God Abraham kept praying and got him on down, I think, to about 10 people. God said, I won't destroy the city if I find 10 people there. He only found Lot, his wife, and his daughters that were accounted worthy to escape the judgment that was coming. And the angels literally had to grab Lot by the hand and drag him out of the city. And read that account there in uh, Genesis, I think it's chapter 19, I believe it is. Uh, but God was merciful to Lot. The angel said, we can't do anything until you're out of here. And God's not going to send judgment upon this world until the church is out of here as well. All right, the fourth reason that I want to mention to you tonight is that the church is no longer mentioned from Revelation 4 and verse 1 forward as being on earth. The church is not mentioned in the book of Revelation from, Gen from uh, Revelation 4 and 1 forward. The church is not mentioned as being on earth. We do, however, see them around the throne of God symbolized by the 24 elders, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4, where John said, Around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. That's your key. That's your key. Clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. That's where we see the church at, sitting around the throne of God after Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. The church is no longer on the earth. The rapture of the church is the next greatest event on the horizon of time. There are no other prophecies to be fulfilled you cannot look down the list of prophecy and say, well, this has to be fulfilled before the church is raptured. Jesus is even at the doors. When the rapture takes place, it will end the church age. The church age is somewhere around 1980 years old. Every 2,000 years, something 
significant happens biblically. To give you some examples of this, 2,000 years after Adam and Eve, God gave Abraham the doctrine of justification by faith. 2,000 years after that, Jesus was born. And we're fastly approaching another 2,000-year mark. Could it be this time the rapture of the church? Could it be the second coming? We don't know. We don't know the day and the hour that Jesus is coming, but we know the signs of the times. And Jesus said, learn the parable of the fig tree. And in Mark chapter 13, if you'll flip over there, Jesus talks about the parable of the fig tree. The fig tree is symbolic for national Israel. And in Mark 13, 28, Jesus said, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. When Jesus stood before Pilate, the chief priest and the rulers of the synagogue stirred up the people. And they cried aloud that day and said, crucify him. And Pilate's response back to the crowd that day is, why? What evil has he done? I find no fault in this man. And yet the people cried yet the more, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And they cried and said, We have no king but Caesar. And then they said, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Forty years later, after they uttered these words. In 70 A.D., Titus marched into Jerusalem with 30,000 troops and destroyed the temple there in Jerusalem and destroyed the city. 600,000 people were killed in this massacre. Some were Captured and sent off to the gladiatorial games. Some were sent off to the rock quarries, the mines. Some were sold as slaves throughout the Roman Empire. Within the next three years, there was no group of people known as Israel in existence. They were scattered all over the world. And no people on the face of the earth has suffered like the Jewish people. They said, We have no king but Caesar, and let his blood be on us and on our children. 
In World War II, Hitler murdered over six million Jews in the Holocaust. But despite that, despite Hitler's efforts to destroy the Jews, on May the 14th, 1948, a vote was taken and passed by the UN to recognize Israel as a state, and the flag, the Star of David, was raised over Israel. This lifeless fig tree had been lifeless for almost 2,000 years. But in 1948, those leaves shot forth when Israel became a nation. The fig tree is symbolic for national Israel. And this is the thing I want you to notice in Mark 13 and verse 30. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. The generation that was born in 1948 will not pass until all these things. What is he talking about, all these things? All the things that he talked about in the verses prior to that. This generation will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. An average generation is somewhere around 80 years. And you can do the math from 1948. You can count it up. Brother James, are you saying that Jesus is coming back in 2028? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus could come back right now. He could come back tomorrow. We don't know when, but we can know the signs of the time. And we can know that his coming is near, even at the doors. These things must come to pass, as he stated there in his word. Now, let me change the subject just a little bit. Who is going in the rapture. I heard a preacher say not long ago that when the rapture takes place, there'll be Christians raptured out of bars, honky-tonks, houses of ill fame. Christians will be robbing banks and God will rapture them out. This particular preacher believes in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I don't believe that. I believe that you've got to be saved. And you have to remain in a state of salvation in order to qualify for the rapture. Jesus said, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape. All of these things. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. 
Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The first recorded words that we have of Jesus was when he was 12 years old. He went to the temple to partake of the Passover. Mary and Joseph, thinking that he was in the band of people that they came with, they left and started to go back home and did not know that Jesus was with them. And after three days' journey, they realized that Jesus wasn't there. So they turned around and went back to Jerusalem, and they found him in the temple, sitting with the doctors and the lawyers. And they were amazed at his knowledge of the Word of God. And his parents, Mary, asked, said, Don't you know that we've been worried, we've been troubled over you? What have you been doing? And Jesus said, Know ye not, I must be about my Father's business. That was the first word that Jesus spoke. That we have record of in the scriptures. Jesus at 12 years old saying. Wished ye not I must be about my father's business. The last words that Jesus uttered. In his physical body. Was when he was on the cross. And he said it is finished. In essence Jesus was saying. I have finished the will of my father in that we have God's will for the Lord Jesus Christ which was to take up the cross guess what God's will is for us today to deny ourselves and take up the cross daily and follow him that is the only way of salvation. That is the only way that you're going to be saved. That is the only way that you're going to stay in a state of salvation is to take up the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ daily, denying yourself and following him. And when a man took up a cross back in Roman times, he was not coming back. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. The faith. When he used that term, the faith, he was referring to what Jesus did at Calvary. By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, in essence, when God gives that call to a man to come to Jesus, in essence, he is calling you to come and die. What was that, Galatians? Galatians 2.20. Thank you. So, you have to be in a state of salvation taking up the cross daily and following him. And like I said, that is the only way of salvation.
Now, we've got people today that want to add to the finished work of Christ. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? There are those that believe that you have to go to church on Saturday. And you have to abstain from eating pork. There are those who believe that you've got to be baptized. Although you confess Jesus as your Savior, you've got to be baptized right then or you ain't saved. There are also some that believe that if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and dip three times according to their rules, and speak in other tongues, you're not saved. These individuals, whomever they are, they're scattered among different denominations and different beliefs. They're adding to the finished work of Christ. In essence, what they're saying is what Jesus did at Calvary was not enough. And you've got to Do this, 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 and the list can go on and on and on. When you do that, when you add to the finished work of Christ, and you've got your faith in that, you've taken that which is hot, the finished work of Christ, and you have mixed it with your own thoughts, that which is cold. And what do you have? Lukewarm. And listen to what Jesus said about being lukewarm. He said, because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarmness also creates an atmosphere for worldliness to come into the church. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There is a life of holiness that is produced by the Holy Spirit When you put your faith in the finished work of Christ and you keep it there, the Holy Spirit will continue to work on you. You are in that sanctification process, that operation of God. And like I said Sunday morning, he that began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have to take up the cross daily. A lot of people think, well, I got saved 50 years ago and everything's just fine. It's a daily thing. And we have to be careful that we not add to the finished work of Christ and become lukewarm in our faith. Because if you're lukewarm, you're going to miss it. But... You have cold and you have hot and you have lukewarm. And we all want to make sure that we are hot. And that is by simply keeping your faith in the finished work of Christ and that alone. That alone. Nothing else. 
And that is the qualification for going in the rapture. And like I said, the rapture could take place at any moment. And Jesus is near, even at the door. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.